Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're good. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts live every day from sunny, beautiful Southern California. It's 90s and 80s. Yeah, taxes are high. Gas prices are ridiculous. But it is, it's 90s and 80s in March. All right. Check out the latest lines in World of Sports at Bet River Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21, present in Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Um, there are a lot of rules. That comes with winning championship championships. And people call the post-championship year the disease of me. But in sports, especially with salary caps, hard or soft, or luxury tax, there is one expression which you have to understand is in fact a reality. You ready for it? Here it is. You can't pay everybody. You just can't. And at some point, you got to make a decision. What, what, is, what are the positions of importance? And while I don't blame Pat Mahomes, a little of this rests at his feet. I don't blame Tyreek Hill, although a good portion of this rests at his feet. I don't blame the Kansas City Chiefs, although a good portion of this uh, uh, lands at their feet. What I do think, though, is that there's a guy who's going to avoid or the Chiefs are going to avoid criticism for that's maybe the main driving force behind this deal. It's not Tyreek Hill. and It's not the Dolphins. It's not draft picks. This deal was made based upon one thing. Can't pay everybody. Okay? You just can't. And the reason the Dolphins are able to do it is the same reason I tried to sell this to Dan Beyer on the idea I'm not a I'm not a Drew Locke guy either. Okay, but if you if your quarterback can make a million and a half a year, whereas other quarterbacks are on the books, you know, for example, Pat Mahomes this year is going to make thirty five point seven on a cap hit. That's seventeen percent of the salary. So salary cap. So so you do the math. If you're making a million and change, you're less than one percent. Okay, you're like 0.5% of the salary cap as opposed to Pat Mahomes is 17.16% of the same salary cap. But you go to a website it's called uh, Spotrack, okay? S-P-O-T-R-A-C dot com. It has all the teams and their salary caps and the salaries that they're on the books for and how they have to manage it. And as of now, after after getting Tyreek Hill off the books, okay, now they have twenty six point two million in estimated cap space, okay. But that's only after getting Tyreek Hill off the market. The problem 
Well, the problem is Orlando Brown Jr., their star tackle, who they traded for last year. Right? Last year, you had to replace the offensive line. You had to find a way to, to fix it, right? So what would you do? You went out and you traded for Orlando Brown Jr., who, why would the Ravens give up on Orlando Brown Jr.? Why would they? Aha, because the Ravens did to the Chiefs the same thing that the Raiders did to the Bears, that the Packers did to the Raiders, that the Chiefs just did to the Dolphins. We're not trading the player because we don't like the player. And we're not even trading the player for equal compensation. We're trading the player because we need some compensation. And, oh, yeah, by the way, we get the next salary, which they're demanding, off of our books. Orlando Brown Jr. currently, as a starting left tackle, takes up 8% of their salary cap. Why? Well, because he's on a franchise tag. So how they adjust that, basically what the Chiefs had to decide is, do we keep Orlando Brown or do we trade him? And if we keep him, somebody else has to go. And that answer is Tyreek Hill, who wanted a new deal and they couldn't come to terms with the new deal. Right? And and it, it makes sense. And it makes sense for the Dolphins to, I don't think any, no one's opinion of Tua has changed, but if Tua's making a million in change this year and you surround him with a whole bunch of dudes, well, I mean, that, that was the story of, that's what the Seahawks defense thought when Russell Westbrook, Westbrook, Russell Wilson was initially a quarterback. It's It's the, how do you build a team? You get that rookie quarterback who's good enough to start, have him play as long as you can. That's what the Ravens are trying to do until they had to pay Lamar Jackson. Let's not pay you as long as... And then, look, Pat Mahomes, this base salary is only 1.5. Okay, he's got a roster bonus that's 27.4, a signing bonus that's 2 million. He's got a workout. It's, it's going to end up being a $35.793 million hit to the salary cap, which is not terrible, not as bad as it could be. It's progressively going to get a little bit worse. But this was a seen as a team-friendly deal. The problem with the team-friendly deal is it takes up $30 million of their cash. It takes up $36 million of their cap space. And over the next four years, think about this. Here's the cap space unless the deal gets reworked. Okay, 46.7, 44.2, 46.2, 41.9. Remember, if, if the cap is, where, cap is where it is this year, that's almost eight, that's 18% of the cap. The cap's likely to go up, but not a great deal. You're talking about in the 25% of the cap on one player. And that's on a team-friendly deal. Look, I told you this when it happened. Everybody, well, the Chiefs, they won the Super Bowl. Here comes the dynasty. And they've been as close to a modern-day dynasty as we've seen since the Patriots, right? They, they did get to the AFC Championship game again this year. But the idea that they're going to continue at this pace... When you have Pat Mahomes under that sort of contract, you got to figure out what you're going to do at left tackle. At some point, you can't pay everybody. And look, I, I, do I think Pat Mahomes is awesome? Of course. Do I think Travis Kelsey is awesome? Of course. Do I think that, that their head coach, Andy Reid, can figure it out? Of course. But if you watched, like, if you watched the Chiefs this year, the last two plays... 
against the Chargers. The last two plays against, uh, who was that in the playoffs? Against the Bills. Right? That's the perfect, that's what they had. They had two guys that you feared so much. Tyreek Hill, you feared so much, you backed way the heck off. That's gone. McCall Hartman's fast. It's not Tyreek Hill. You can draft somebody fast. Not Tyreek Hill. You could go get another uh, pass-catching tight end. Not Travis Kelsey. They had two cheat codes to catch the ball and a cheat code throwing the ball. Now they have one. And they had one not because of what do you call a disease of me or the basically you can't pay everybody. And the second they went and got Orlando Brown and they didn't have a long-term plan for a long-term contract extension for the future, the die was cast. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Okay, so, (sighs) Jay Stu, how would you uh, explain my tweet to you about the video of the ESPN show that was on earlier today? It looked like uh, First Take was doing the, uh, what, the the top NBA scorers of all time? Top five NBA scorers of all time. And um, with uh, Mad Dog Russo. Right. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think that your comment on it was this is basically a Mount Rushmore segment and there there isn't enough to talk about in the world today so they have to go to the old standby the old yeah. list of great NBA scorers the only problem with that is like you gotta you gotta pivot on the fly right this is after Tyreek Hill had been traded this is major 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 stuff and yeah, it wasn't treated as such. So I thought that was <laughs> yeah, right. Like one, it was right. a Mount Rushmore summer topic, super cheesy. Top five scores, top five scores. Like, and it, there's there's no real uh, like, what are we doing here? You're um, I've noticed that your Chris Russo is yes. is just like Harold Letterman. It, it sounds exactly the same. You know Harold Letterman? No. Uh, I got the scores one twenty nine to one twenty eight. I'm back to you, Jim. <laughs> the boxing guy, Harold Wetterman, the uh, ah. I don't know, what, what is the the punch counter or whatever that's called. I'm not sure. Yes, not my sport, but that was really good, actually. Um, that was that's was pretty good. My, mine is my mine's uh, like I've listened to Dog a lot, and when he when he devolves into yelling Dog, it just it, it's 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 unbelievable. Uh, so anyway, we have our own kind of middle of the week. Hey, we let's figure out a, a way to do some cheese ball fun radio and do a big topic and not get caught up in the minutia of Chargers rule Raiders suck. Good night. Now we call it the Midway. Stuck in the middle with you. It's time for Stuck in the Middle. It's time for the Midway. All right, middle of the week, middle of the show. Tyreek Hill moving teams. We think about the fastest players we've ever seen in any major sport, college or pro. Specific plays you remember also help with you. Feel free, at Gottlieb Show, Twitter, Gat Gottlieb Show, IG, or the Doug Gottlieb Show on Facebook. I got them all up open here. I'm the multimedia. Midway. The Midway. All right, I'll start. Can I start? Yes. Alan Iverson. Now, well, Alan Iverson, um, th- there's in basketball, there's there's quickness and there's speed. Tyron, Tyron Lue had great quickness. 
Jason Kidd had great speed. Allen Iverson had both. Allen Iverson had both. He just had a gear. Jaden Ivey and John uh, Moran are a couple of the few that have that kind of gear. Is there a uh, – John Wall a couple of years back, yep. wasn't he like yep. the best coast-to-coast uh, yep. coast guy or anything? Yes. Um, remember LeBron chasing down and blocking that shot in the finals a couple of years ago? I thought to myself, that that's like pure speed. He went from one side of the court to the other and uh, ran down the block. That was that was like a visual that I'll never forget. And just how athletic that play was, I thought was was amazing. Um, Byers got a good one. He, he's promoted this as a good one. No, <laughs> no, it just immediately came into my mind when the topic was presented. And again, guys, uh, not all memories are good memories. To talk about one of the worst games watching when I was a child uh, in fifth grade, Raiders come to Seattle to face the Seahawks on Monday Night Football, where the Seahawks had great success, and it's the Bo Jackson game. So many people make the Bo Jackson meeting Brian Bosworth at the goal line and having him run over Boz in that play. Listen, it was all about leverage. Bo got lower, and that's that's why he got made it into the end zone. But the real the real one was the 91-yard touchdown run where he made Boz look like he was running on a treadmill. Like, like Bo just kept going, and we know he ran into the tunnel. But when you want to talk about speed and compare it to anyone else, it was that 90-plus-yard touchdown run that Bo Jackson had against the Seahawks in 1987. It's the perfect visual. It's it the, that's that's the honestly the speed running out of the tunnel like it was the through the tunnel that's like the perfect visual. What's funny is that Bo Jackson running down like a I think was it the fly ball from uh, Ken Griffey or somebody where he ran up the side of the wall. His range in the outfield in baseball was spectacular, and that kind of led me to to my example. I remember back in the '90s when Deion Sanders was playing both ways playing for the Yankees, and he hit a line drive over Bo Jackson's head, as it might be, and he had an inside the parker. And I just remember at the time thinking, this is like something we've never seen. Like world-class speed around those bases. Deion Sanders as a baseball player uh, sticks out in my mind. The Midway. John? Well, I don't know if this speed actually worked, Doug, but back in the mid-'80s, Willie Galt and Ron Brown, remember they were on the 1984 Olympic track team? They got put into the NFL to be like, hey, if you could just catch the ball, you're going to outrun every player in the NFL. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. But those are the guys I think of when it came to like just pure speed on the football field was Ron Brown and Willie Galt. And in fact, our own Jason Stewart saw Ron Brown return <laughs> one of these kicks. When John brought this up, I went to a Rams-Packers game uh, the stands were about half full back in the at Anaheim Stadium. It was like 1987, I want to say. And Ron Brown ran back two kicks for touchdowns. I want to say it's either tied or it still remains an NFL record to this day. Ron Brown. The Midway. Uh, okay, I got one. Um, I mean, this one's really kind of easy, and I think we both we all kind of missed it. Um, and he's like the fastest guy I can remember recently in baseball is Billy Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Like Trey Turner and Billy Hamilton are just faster than everybody else, and I think Billy Hamilton's considered the fastest. And he's like the f- fastest player in baseball. Some people, th- Lou Brock's supposedly the fastest player in baseball ever, and Billy Hamilton's right there in the in the discussion. 
What, what yeah, about- but Trey Turner and Lou Brock are actually really good. Ooh, ouch. Oh, ouch. The midway. Take wow. I, I, I know that it, this sport is about speed, but what about when Ben Johnson was on horse roids and blew everybody away in the 88 Olympics? Point one seconds, 100 meter dash. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man. I don't even know if they could fit the other runners in the screenshot. Doug, do you think Bo Jackson would have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't get injured? Um... The Midway. Yes, I think he would have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't get injured. I mean, he was he was a beast. Um, okay, so we need more more speed, huh? Oh, wait, we're how did we not do this one? Ra- Ramos. I, mean, I, I know Bayer will get it. Did, did anybody say Daryl Green? Nope. Nope. Okay, so here's the Daryl Green thing, right? Like Daryl Green was one of these. No matter how old he got, he still ran like a four three forty. And there's, there's, if if anybody wants to do a Twitter search, there's a video out there of Daryl Green just running, dude, running down dudes, just like running them down. Yeah, sometimes he has an angle, but like fired it like the Tyreek Hill thing, fired out of a cannon where he just runs guys down. Up until, uh, up until Tyreek Hill or maybe Willie Galt. That was a good Willie Galt was a good call. Uh, I think Daryl Green was the guy who was most synonymous with speed. You forget about that. You forget about that. T.J. Hushmanzada joins us. Former Pro Bowl wide receiver, co-host of Up on Game with LeVar Arrington and Plexico Burris. It airs every Saturday on Fox Sports Radio. T.J., fastest dude you ever remember playing football against? Oh, wow. That's a pretty good question. I played with some fast, I played with some fast guys. Uh, okay, with, a- without, fastest guy you see in the football field. Man, I'm. That's tough. I'd probably say, just off the top of my head, uh, Champ Bailey. But I played with a guy. He was a quarterback, actually. They moved in a receiver from Texas A&M named Reggie McNeil. That boy can run. Reggie McNeil could definitely. Oh, no. Definitely. You know who it is? Benny Brazil. Who? Benny Brazil. He came from LSU. Uh, made the Olympic as a track guy, was a receiver. Benny Brazil was by far and away the fastest dude I played with or that I've seen run on the football field. That boy this, could run. This is, this is what's, what's interesting about, about athletes, about real athletes, right, is they can – it's like a base – it's like a, a, a hitter or a pitcher. They could stand next to somebody who – like stand next to the, the batter's box – Somebody who's throwing, you know, triple digits, and they could tell you like that's triple. They don't have to look. You don't have to look at the at the radar gun, right? As soon as you see it, <laughs> right? As soon as you see it, they're like, yeah, that's that. That's he's throwing a hundred. Like, what do you mean? How do you know? Don't you like? No, no, I don't know. Like basketball players, like you can tell when somebody can really. I do this with friends. You play pickup ball. You're like, let's figure out what level everybody played at, right? And you can tell with football guys. You you can you can tell right like you could watch a guy run and you know he's running on air just running around and you could tell that there's more speed than anybody else. W- what is that like to watch a guy with world class speed? Man, it just it's almost you don't believe it. Like you like how is he running that fast to be? And I know where you're going with this with, with Tariq, but having speed and being able to control that speed. Yeah, no, it's two different that, things. That, yeah, that's the gift. Right, that's right. Gift. I, I train my guys all the time. If I have the fastest car in the Indianapolis 500 and I crash, does it matter that I had the fastest car? 
No. Absolutely not. It doesn't. And so the fact that you can control that speed is what's important. But when you see that speed and you don't have it, which I didn't, you're like, oh, man, I wish I had that. Because if I did, it'd be over. It'd be dangerous. Oh, yeah. It'd be over. Okay, so let's get to the Chiefs. Um, This, to me, and again, I had a little help from friends I've talked to in the league, but this, to me, does feel like they couldn't figure out the Orlando Brown thing, so he's franchise tagged. They knew Pat Mahomes was going to take up 17% of the cap, but the Orlando Brown thing really kind of threw him for a loop. Feels like they, tr- they, they, they decided uh, Orlando Brown over Tyreek Hill. Is that, is that a fair assessment? I mean, you could say Orlando Brown. You could say Frank Clark. I mean, you could say a bunch of different guys, but... The Kansas City Chiefs are going to see that Tyreek Hill was the ultimate chess piece. They're going to see that. The way teams approach them defensively, they're not going to get that approach any longer. Like, that touchdown that he scored against Buffalo, nobody, I mean nobody that's playing in the National Football League today would have done that except Tyreek Hill. I, I I agree, and and I also think that like if you look at the at Buffalo, right? Remember that that Tyreek Hill had that first catch, and nobody was within twenty yards of him. Why? Because of the the fear or respect you have for his game breaking speed. The the Buffalo thirteen second drive doesn't happen with anybody else anybody else in the field. No, because they, they they you play it different. Now I will say this: if I'm the Chiefs, um, they're, they're going to draft two receivers for sure. And one of them needs to be Jamison Williams out of Alabama, even though he's hurt. He's tall. He can run. He can't run like Tyreek Hill, but he looks to be very dynamic. But I don't think they realize what he brought to that team, the way people played him. I mean, you're in a two-shell just because you're you're nervous. You're, You're willing to let Kelsey and Tyreek Hill beat you up underneath just so he can't. I mean, Tyreek Hill is the only player in the league that can one play you touchdown with a bomb and with a slant. He's the only player in the league that can do that. There's not many guys that they can take a pass five yards and go 80, or they can just bomb you for 80. And so hopefully Tua can reach his potential with Tyreek Hill, but the Chiefs, uh, I believe they made a mistake. When, when you move a guy that means so much to your team, and yeah, they have a lot of draft capital, but they're going to try to find a replacement. The key word is try. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, so um, what about Miami? Uh, everybody I talked to, really like, eh, I'm not really a Tua guy, but he's surrounded by dudes now. What do you think of what Miami's going to do? I'll. Man, this is almost like two at Alabama almost. I mean, he has the weapons. Just get him the ball. They they signed Taron Armstead in free agency, left tackle. Outside, you got dudes that can run. Waddle can run. Can't run like Tariq, but he can run. You signed Cedric Wilson that, that is a possession receiver that's going to make every tough catch. Defensively, they are stout. Miami – this is probably – this is not probably. This is by far and away the best offseason I've ever seen the NFL have. Never seen anything like it. I cannot wait for the games to start. And I don't want the games to start because as time pushes on, I'm getting older and I don't like that. 
but I'm so excited just to watch football. The AFC is going to be a bloodbath every week. Nothing but competitive game after competitive game after competitive game. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, AFC West. Rank them. As of now. We have no draft yet. Rank them. Wow. I would say uh, let's go Denver, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Chiefs. The Chiefs in last. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough division. Every team got better. Every team got better. Except the, the, the Chief, Would you say the Chiefs got better or would you say they got worse? Yeah, you have um, draft picks. Having draft picks, what does that mean? I, I, I understand, but we the they still have they still have Pat Mahomes. They still have Frank Clark. They still have everything they had other than Tyreek Hill. And with they that don't money, have Tyron Matthew, who was their defensive leader, they replaced him with Justin Reed. Yeah, that that's going to be big. They don't realize. So you can can pretty, Tyron Matthew run anymore? Tyron Matthew is a football like. Can he run? Yeah, he can run. Bro, can I, run look, like I know he's a brilliant football player. I do, but at some point the injuries pile up, and you that's that, that's my only question is can he, the, can he still the way, run? Like, see, this is the thing about what's going on. We got to get away from, oh, he's getting a little older. The, the way football is played today, and not even played, the way it's practiced today, and how you remember it, it's completely different. I've been to practices. They're a cakewalk now. They take smoothie and snack breaks in practice. It's so different, man. These dudes can play longer. And so, oh, he's getting close to 30 or he's 31. It doesn't matter because the wear and tear that you would have from training camp and things, that it's no longer the same game as we remember. Guys are going to play longer and play better as they age. This is Doug Gottlieb's show here on Fox Sports Radio. That would be a while. How do you think Russell Wilson fits in Denver? I like it. I, I, I like it. You, you, you look at the, the skilled players that he has. Jerry Judy can hopefully now live up to the promise of what I thought he would be. Russell Wilson is just a leader of men, man. Like, guys gravitate to him. Now, I, I don't know defensively what they'll be because Vic Fangio is one of the better defensive minds in football. With him not being there, how how, how is that going to be? But just just getting Russell Wilson does wonders for that team. That division is the Chargers didn't make the playoffs, and they're a really good team, and they got way better, way better. And so this division is lights out. You've got Devontae what Carr is college quarterback like. You you look what the Bengals have done and signing all these offensive linemen, like the AFC and just football in general, man. Uh, they need to do this every year. Okay, so what about the Packers? What do they do? It's like you, it's like you see how you said, uh, what, what about the Packers? Like, it's, it's a letdown, right? After just talking and seeing it, what it, people... It, it, is, it is, but there's, there's... And look, but the reality is they have a really good team. And now they have some money to spend. I don't know what they have to spend it on, though, right? Other than all the other pieces. How do you replace somebody so productive? You don't. You don't. It's going to take time. Like, you, you can draft. If I'm the Packers, I'm trying to get Jamison Williams as well. You, you, you draft. You're trying to get Drake London. He's going to be gone before that. You, you, you draft and hope that guy can come in and play right now. But what, see, what has happened is 
Justin Jefferson two years ago, great rookie year. Jamar Chase this year, great rookie year. They think that's easy. Those two guys are special. You're, you're not going to always find these rookies that can come in right now. But if you can do it with anyone, Aaron Rodgers is that guy. Like Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know if anybody has said this, Aaron Rodgers deserves a ton of credit. Aaron Rodgers is the NFL's Steph Curry, meaning how everybody wants to shoot the three ball. Now, that's all Steph Curry. Every quarterback in college and in high school, every single one of them, try to throw the ball and mimic Aaron Rodgers. Every single one of them. Aaron Rodgers has started a trend of quarterbacks trying to be like him the way Steph Curry has started a trend of everybody shooting a three ball. With that, with that back foot kind of sliding backwards, I don't know what that's called, right? Is, is that, that what you're talking about? Do you all quarterbacks were always told, "Oh, you want to step to your target?" Aaron Rodgers in that quick release showed, "Oh no, that's always not the case. As long as my hip is firing, I'm good. Just just go watch all these kids. Go watch them. I'm out there with them, Doug. You know that. Go watch them. And all they do is watch Aaron Rodgers tape because they want to throw the ball like him. He deserves credit for that. He don't get. He doesn't get it. I'm gonna start preaching that because." He is the football Steph Curry, in my opinion. Um, that that's uh, that's I I had I had I'd seen it and I've seen it on some of these videos. But you work with these kids, and so you and so you obviously know it's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the uh, that's the voice of T.J. Hushpinzada. Hush, uh, all right. So is there is Baker Mayfield a starting quarterback next year? <laughs> Uh, I, I, the only team that I could see would be Seattle, and if like would he beat out the quarterback there? Like, is is he gonna beat Drew Locke out? I mean, like if you if you say oh Pittsburgh, if you look at Mr. Trubisky, won games in Chicago, and I would say Baker had a better supporting cast, and, and so. No, I'm answering your question. No, no, I, I don't believe he will. But could Baker and his personality be a backup? How, how does that work? It's so it, it, it's tough. Um, I, I like Baker. I like his personality. But when you're a quarterback, you can't have that personality. That personality is fitting for like a defensive player, a receiver. You I mean you have to be mellow and, and have that personality. Every blue moon, it seems like he has it too often. And if you do have it often, you just don't say it publicly. And so I think that's, that hasn't served him well. But he was in a good situation in Cleveland, and he didn't make the most of it. And so outside of Seattle, I, I don't see a team um, where he can start. TG, you're the best. I appreciate you joining us. Doug, my guy, keep up the great work, buddy. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasting to you live from sunny Southern California. Welcome, welcome, welcome in. Um... There's a lot of things going on here. <laughs> uh, you have Baker Mayfield still sitting out there, and they're trying to find him a team. And you have a Mary Kay Cabot report that OBJ would be willing to go back to Cleveland. So, 
let, let's let's try and figure out what that means. Um, my guess is this: like, yes, that that's the ultimate. It was Baker, not anybody else. Okay. Uh, Baker, not anybody else. But let's also admit that Odell Beckham Jr. and the would he go back, like the old would you go back to Cleveland. That's the, Doug, would you go back to pick any spot that you've worked before? Well, if they're going to pay me more money and I'm a free agent than anybody else is offering, then yeah, I'll go back there. You know, it, it does stand to reason that Robert Woods being shipped off, you know, being, you know, now being in Tennessee would seem, at least on the surface, like they're clearing the deck chairs for uh, for OBJ's return. But we don't know. We don't know what they're, how they financially value him. Nah, nothing. We don't. We have no idea. Zero. So if if that's the case, okay, if that's the case, if we have zero idea, none, what the Rams are offering. Or if we just sit here and say, like, would they, would you take him? Like, yeah, it's a lot like Pittsburgh would be interested in Baker Mayfield if he was released. Like, yeah, well, if he's free, you know, like a million dollars a year, minimum deal, or like we sign him to a non-guaranteed deal, like, sure, we'll take a look. To, to me, this the only intent of these different reports are, one, to make Baker Mayfield look bad, and then, two... I mean, frankly, to make Pittsburgh look like they haven't, they, they, they do not know that they have the answer at quarterback. And both of these are, we're, they're, we're fine with them being true. Right? Am I looking at this, Jay Stu? Am I looking at that the wrong way? Do you have a different perspective on looking at those two stories? Uh, let's see. Not a different perspective, but I think it, I don't know if it gets like more disrespectful uh, to Baker Mayfield than that report surfacing so that was very intentional as you said to make him look bad i wonder what the uh i I just wonder where where it's coming from and why but i think it's really amusing in other words um, i had a great time there i liked every one of my teammates but as soon as one guy's gone yeah i'd come back (laughs) yeah Uh, that's uh, but i i also think that a good portion of it is how much would you pay me right how much would you really? How much would you legitimately pay pay me? If you're gonna pay me legit money, then I'll come back. You know this this whole like when we ask these hypotheticals, would you go back to Cleveland without Baker Mayfield being there? Yeah. Would you go back to Baker Mayfield without Baker Mayfield being there for a couple million dollars? No. You know on a one year deal? No. And Deshaun Watson does factor into this playing with him, and uh, I was just thinking of this too. They'd probably be back around the same week, right? Like Deshaun after he finishes his suspension, given that, and then uh, I think OBJ can't return until what November or something or soonest. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and we have no idea what he'll return like. I, I, let me just give you a a quick a quick example, okay? This is one of the things. This is it's a very dangerous thing that Adam Schefter tweeted about who was the wide receiver, the Alabama kid who tore his ACL in the championship game. Guys, what was the, what was the Jamison Williams. Thank you. Jamison Williams. So do you guys remember the tweet from Adam Schefter that Jamison Williams will return hundred percent, you know, and expectations are he'll run a four sub four, three 40, right? Do you guys remember that tweet? 
Yes. Okay. It's the most laughably embarrassing tweet I've ever seen from a guy who's well-respected in journalism. Do you know why? Because you have no idea. Kid's never had a knee operation before. He's never rehabbed before. Now, best case scenario, he should be fine. He should be better than ever. Guys tear their ACLs. They rehab. They come back. Some are, in fact, faster. But, like, we have no idea. So I just, my own ACL journey. Remember last July, I tore, tore my ACL. August, I got it fixed. I'm clear to run. I'm clear to, you know, to, to screw around playing basketball. He's not yet. He's like, look, your graph is fine. You could play basketball if you want, but my suggestion is, like, shoot, run up and down, keep getting stronger. We get to next month is nine months. Okay, we'll get there. You can start playing some. By a year, as a grown-up, a grown man, you can start playing. But your graph is fine. But I developed, um, I developed like a cyst, and it where they took my, where they harvested the hamstring. So I use, you can use a cadaver, you can use your patella tendon, and most of the athletes use a patella tendon. Okay, so that's your own patella tendon from the same knee they use, and they take a piece off of it, and then they make it into a graph, and that becomes your ACL. They use my hamstring instead. And uh, over the last month or so I've developed I developed swelling more and more and more at the spot where they harvested the hamstring it's um, if you look at your knee it's below the knee to the inside um, just you know basically at the very top of where your shin bone meets the knee right that's where your hamstring actually attaches to to the lower part of your leg Right? So they went in there. That's how they took out the hamstring. Anyway, so I had like a big piece of swelling and then it got started to get red and there was fears it was infected or what it was. I went to the doctor yesterday. He's like, boy, I don't know what this, there's one thing bad it could be. Otherwise, it could be a cyst or some sort of infection, but it doesn't look terribly infected. Anyway, I woke up this morning and um, basically it kind of popped, right? Like it was, it was gross. It was like oozing or whatever. So it's fine. They put me on some medication to make sure there's no infection. But the, the point is that this is a routine surgery that I've rehabbed properly. I've gone to my PT. I'm fine. I'm on the correct path as far as rehab. But like other things do go wrong, right? Every time you go in on a, something, can go wrong. You can get an infection. The graft doesn't heal right. You don't rehab perfectly. Or remember, in order to fix your ACL, with Odell Beckham Jr., they're not using a cadaver because cadavers, um, they, they, they fail at a higher percentage. They're not using his hamstring. They're like using his patella tendon, which means you, you have to rehab that part too. And again, there's also a harvest site. You can have infections there. You can have a bunch. The point is we have no, and this is not his first injury. Towards ACL going back a year ago. And then before that, remember he broke his leg. The more times you go in and have surgery, the more chances that, one, you're not going to be the same, and two, more things go wrong. So, no one has any idea what Odell Beckham, I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to sign before, unless it's with the Rams, before he, before he runs. Before somebody takes a look at it. Because right now, if you look at the film on his knee, you'd say it's a perfectly healed graph. The problem is, like, you know, everything else is going to have atrophied because you can't do stuff for a while after you have your ACL. So you have no idea how he's going to heal. But I take stories like this as a grain of salt. This story out of Odell Beckham Jr. was only out there for one reason. To lay blame at the feet of Baker Mayfield. 
right, to lay blame. And by the way, do you think the Browns really want Odell Beckham Jr. back? Right? But that's his way, or his people's way, of making it so that nobody in Cleveland will talk bad about him. That Kevin Stavansky won't talk bad about him. You know, that it's the only guy he's blaming is Baker Mayfield. Remember, this is OBJ, who when he got there, he was effuse in his praise of Baker, but he didn't show up for OTAs. And you might ask yourself, like, what does that matter? Lots of veterans don't. Well, if you remember, he was coming off of injury. And, like, don't tell me you're only about winning and not do all the little things it takes to win. So I think that story is only out there to do harm. And Pittsburgh saying, yeah, we take him, but we're not taking that salary tells you why there is no market for Baker Mayfield. It's not that people think Baker Mayfield stinks, that he's not an NFL quarterback of some caliber. It's that no one wants to pay Baker Mayfield $18, 19000000 million. No thanks.